What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Over Being Over. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack Wannan, and I'm joined by the other two glorious, amazing, very impressive work rate, Over Being Over cast members. First, I'm joined by Gavin. How are you? What's going on, everyone? 3K, 3K, 3K. <laughs> and I'm also joined by Joseph. What's up, everyone? How are we doing? Yeah, so we got a lot to dis- discuss this week. Uh, later on, we're going to di- divulge into some New Japan discussion, some cruiserweight discussion. Um, before that, obviously, um, I think it's the elephant in the room. The thing we have to talk about is that there's uh, been quite a uh, movement going on in wrestling recently. The uh, hashtag speaking out movement. And it's been addressing a lot of the, um, you know, uh, sexual misconduct. Lots of... Um, Sometimes I don't I don't know the best word to describe it. It's it's because it's a varying scale of things, but it's just um, lots of people in wrestling who are being called out for um, things that are obviously not right. Wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I, I would say it's a lot of wrestlers that people have looked up to and that have supported for a long time have been exposed very like very courageously been exposed by people who have been keeping these things either because they were too afraid to say it or because they were worried that they would like get i don't know be told that their accusations were false or that their stories weren't mm-hmm. true by these people they have variously very cre- courageously came out and told a lot of awful things that a lot of people that we thought were a good genuine all these kind of things like great great people have done pretty awful things over the past few years Mm -hmm. definitely and it's it's showing that like it's a good sign to see that people are willing to speak up now and it's like one person can spark a whole movement Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that now because you can't have these people like leading companies if they're behind the scenes not who we think they are and it's Mm -hmm. just gonna it's just gonna keep spiraling from here and if these people that we once looked up to have to be erased from a company I'd be fine with that if it means like getting rid of someone that's hurting other cat like people on the show. Absolutely. Um, you know, some people don't want there to be too much, uh, you know, scrutiny placed on these people. But I think that even, even more so in this climate where, you know, the business is tight and jobs are hard to find, you know, maybe there should be less lenience on keeping people in an industry who do certain, you know, bad things, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, as you added it you know it's it's great that this has become a movement and that you know one has led to another and it's it's made people feel like they're in a safe environment to talk about these things um Mm -hmm. and i I, if you know it's it's horrible to hear all these stories because you just wish they it it was something that had never happened right but if there is a positive take from it it's that um the general public is taking this very seriously Mm um and the general public as in fans and companies alike. Um, this week we've seen both AEW and WWE take action on wrestlers. Um, Drew Gallagher being released from WWE due to um, the case where he was called out. Um, and then in AEW we saw um, Jimmy Havoc, right? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Havoc. They entered him into a rehab facility because they said he has a prescription abuse with um, drugs. I guess you're going to get him clean for now. That That's their part of like helping him get mm-hmm. through this time. I think is one of his, not only did he get, have rape accusations brought up against him, but it was also a lot of, 
he's got he's been known to have a lot of mental like issues and he would often mm-hmm. make like pretty severe threats involving his mental state to people he was close to and then he's been known to have like at the beginning of the year he got into a fight with Excalibur at like an AW party because he was drunk and then apparently like Excalibur beat him up and won the fight pretty easily but he's been known he everyone always says like obviously before I said Jimmy's a great guy when he's sober but you wouldn't want to be around him when he's drunk and so a lot of stuff came out about him this week that left them with no choice but to send him to rehab and then reassess what they'll do with him in the future yeah and I think that um you know I some people say that things could be handled differently from both companies with Mm -hmm. talent um honestly you know that's not my expertise to know how to specifically handle these situations um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's any of our expertise. Um, but to see that something is being done shows that this isn't something that companies are willing to go, okay, well, let's just sweep this under the rug. Exactly. Which, you know, hasn't not been done in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, it's almost refreshing in a way to see that companies, especially WWE, are taking this seriously because in the past, they probably would have swept this under the rug and said, oh, whatever. We have like a huge team of lawyers. We'll get a settlement. We'll do something. But it's nice to see that they're taking it seriously and they're setting an example, especially Jack Gallagher, who got fired this week by saying, if you do these things, there will be severe consequences. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very, you know, one strike and you're out. You know, because Gallagher, he's not somebody who came into the company yesterday. He's, yeah, he's exactly. been there for quite a while. Um, you know, he's... I can only imagine, but, you know, gain some sort of trust with the company and this only broke that. And they just said, you know what? Okay. You're out. Yeah. Um, you know, even smaller scale companies I've seen, like doing some action. I don't know if you guys like beyond wrestling, smaller, mm-hmm. like intro, they completely cut ties with David Starr and he was their world champion and they struck him with the title. It said effective immediately. He'll never be on another beyond wrestling show mm-hmm. for as long as he's around. Cause there are some pretty serious allegations with him too. Right. Doing some proof behind it, yeah, but stuff like that, even showing that it's like the larger scale kind of seeing like the WWE and AEW do it, it shows that indie shows can do it too, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like leading by example of these bigger companies. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people seem kind of defeated once all this happened online. A lot of people were like, "Oh, well, I don't even know if I want to, you know, watch wrestling anymore." Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that a, a good way to put this though is that you know this is. This this incident doesn't define everybody within the community, and that exactly. really the way people are treating it defines the community, and that you know this is a matter of making things better, right? Mm-hmm. And that you know. Well, I was gonna, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say something that was interesting about this entire situation is that how Progress Wrestling in the UK handled it really bad, and their slogan back in the day when they first rose to prominence is like progress is for everyone but from the stories that are coming out of that company and the way they're handling it online and the fact that almost all of their entire like their entire management team has stepped down and been rearranged in the past few days because of how they've handled it it doesn't really sound like they're actually for everyone maybe they'll, they might get there again one day but it's kind of disappointing especially because i was a fan of that company for a while and people in that company who have since been accused of doing pretty awful things to see that they just sort of said that slogan, but they didn't really mean it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disappointing. Um, and it's, you know, it's disappointing to be fans of some of the people who get 
called out and you have to accept the fact that you know you really shouldn't support these people anymore um you know that's obviously the part that sucks it's it's not as bad as being someone involved in that situation you know so you have to sort of realize that okay well this is only you know it it sucks that i have to stop supporting this person but it's the right thing to do um and you know it's overall it's it's a bad situation but like we mentioned before i think the positive to to come of this is that this is something that is happening as opposed to in the past where this was something that happened back you know behind the scenes but we never got to hear about it and you know act upon it mm-hmm. um honestly i think there's not much more we can say about it um you know i can only hope that this is a movement that continues until it's i mean who knows how long it has to go on but hopefully it's something that people keep treating serious yeah and anyone that doesn't deserve to be in their position should be needs to get their consequences and hopefully we see that within the next few maybe months weeks whatever happens mm-hmm. yeah this is you know i sort of made it sound like for a second that this is something that sort of it has a start and finish but this has to continue as long as possible because you know that authority needs to be there to stop people from doing bad things exactly yeah i I hope moving forward that this event makes the wrestling community and just to be fans like more inclusive like everyone always says wrestling is inclusive but i think that there's always more that can be done to sort of make it feel like it actually is for everyone and if we stop letting people who are in power like in this case wrestlers who are let the fame go to their heads a little bit thinking they can do whatever they want if we keep if we hold these people accountable i think it'll go a long way for making the sport a safer place for everybody absolutely yeah because a, a, a you know a lot of these situations came from people going to live events and just trying to have a good time and just trying to you know enjoy wrestling um and you know wrestlers using their power and their you know uh their star power to you know use it for bad you know Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's um, I, I think that's all we have to say about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I, we're gonna move on from that. I don't, I don't really know how to move on from that, like, yeah. too specifically, because it's it's a sad note. And the rest of the show, we have some great stuff to talk about. Um, but um, you know, I just think everyone's taken it really, really well, and I'm I'm proud of how people have done that. But we have a lot of, and I I feel like I haven't said this in a while, but we have a lot of wrestling to talk about. Yeah, we actually do. Uh, There's been a lot of stuff the past uh, week. Feels um, like we're slowly but surely getting back to closer to normal. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's we haven't gotten fully to that like hectic. So many things are happening that I can't keep yeah. track um, yet. Um, but I think the main headline this week is the uh, New Japan shows which have been happening. Uh, New Japan had their official reboot um, just last week. Uh, first show was on the 15th that was like uh, just sort of like a welcome back show nothing special happened on it it was just uh, tag matches Um, and then they started their new japan cup which is their um, singles tournament which happens every year Uh, usually happens earlier in the year Um, it's around like march right guys yeah beginning of march usually for you and mostly just heavyweight guys as well heavyweight tournament to face the winner faces the champion single elimination all that good stuff so um i haven't watched all the new japan cup shows yet but i've just i've watched a few 
Um, I've seen all the results. I want to know what you guys think just of their crowdless events. How do they uh, match up to AEW, WWE, and just how do you feel about New Japan being back in general? I think that I I love New Japan, and I said to you guys after the first show, I was saying, I think New Japan has the best no-fans wrestling so far. And one, it's because usually the Japanese crowds are silent, like pretty silent to begin with. They're respectful. But two, it's like the Japanese commentators are really like carrying because they're so like, I don't know if people in Japan feel the same way or if that's just like how it is for them. Like it's just like normal, but the Japanese commentators are carrying like these guys. It's so like exciting for me as a fan to watch the shows because they sound like they're genuinely having a good time, like broadcasting and comment doing commentary on the shows. And every time like a big move happens, they're like yelling and they're, or if a false finish happens, they're going, Oh, like they're like freaking out, like on the, in the booth. And then another thing that I think that has helped is that New Japan had a lot of time. They had 110 days to watch WWE and AEW to see what they could do. And so they, their first couple of shows, they picked a small venue and they did the camera angle where you're not focusing on the empty seats. It's always on the wrestlers all the time. And I think that New Japan also has like the most real, realistic wrestling in the world. So it also helps that way too, where you're not seeing like a goofy gimmick or like a weird storyline or an awkward promo. You're just getting like hard hitting sports, the king of sports for a reason, New Japan, like hard hitting, strong style pro wrestling. Yeah, I've noticed like watching like an older show, like I've been with the 2016 G1, the crowd is there, but like they don't make as much of, much of an impact as they do in mm-hmm. WWE, I find. So watching it like with an empty crowd, it just doesn't make that much of a difference, but it's just like nice to see that that solid wrestling is back. But yeah, you were right about the commentary because I watched uh, Night 2 with uh, the English commentary. I watched yeah. it and it's just not the same, man. Like the Japanese <laughs> commentary, even though I don't understand what they're saying, I'd rather hear it with them because they're just so much more animated. And well, the English, the English isn't live. That's I feel like it's kind of, it kind of sucks because they've probably watched the show already, and it's not, you're not getting their like genuine reaction. Yeah. You're just getting them like doing it because a lot of people. Per, like, I usually watch it in in English when it's live, but yeah. I I've been rolling with the Japanese stuff because I don't understand what they're saying, but they're just so fun to listen to because it, it they have that energy. Yeah. Usually the English commentary. I'm a really big fan of Kevin Kelly, mm-hmm. and I think it's nice that they um at least for most shows have the have a translator so you yeah what whatever part gets lost in translation doesn't get lost um did you guys see like they have a weird commentary setup where it's like a commentator on one side uh another on the other and in the middle there's like a tv with one of them yeah and they're like somewhere else in the arena it's weird it's kind of it's kind of cool though because i think out of all the companies so far new japan is taking social distancing and the coronavirus stuff the most serious because like WWE, they don't really show you what they're doing to clean, but and neither does AEW. But New Japan's like they take a half an hour break at, because there's it's usually a six match card, and after the third match, they take like a half an hour break to clean the ring and clean everything. And in between the commercials, they're actually showing you that they're cleaning the ring and they're taking the safe precautions to yeah. do so. So it's it's cool as a fan to see that like they're not just there to put on the show and make money they're also there because they know people want to be entertained and they're also there for the safety of the wrestlers as well Mm -hmm. it's sort of weird that um like similar to the presentation topic that these shows are really short like Mm -hmm. that some of them are like around two hours and then when you cut out the intermission it's like even shorter than that um Mm -hmm. very digestible i think especially since you know you're getting hit with so many of them 
It doesn't feel like a usual G1 season where I'm like trying to stay afloat. I I've enjoyed that actually because you you know there's not going to be a lot of filler. Like I don't really care in the like especially during G1 season when there's the tag matches. So you get one special tag and then you know every other match after that has something has some sort of stakes where mm-hmm. if they lose they're out or if they win they advance and there's always that opportunity. Like you're you're sort of hooked on every match even if the cards are weaker. But that's what I've liked so far. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a. Uh, I think that they're they've hit the nail on the head with the presentation, um, and you know they sort of have that upper hand over companies that have more active audiences, where they don't necessarily need an audience. Um, it will be interesting to see. I've seen some other promotions in Japan have already brought back audiences. Um, how it will be when they bring back an audience? Because uh, I think they have that plan soon. It's for Dominion, I think. Yeah, Dominion. for Dominion. I think it's July 11th or yeah. That's at July the uh, 12th, yeah. That, that's at the Osaka Joe Hall. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be like a huge venue that's like a third filled, two thirds. Yeah, thirty yeah. percent. It could be awkward in there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I don't pretty know. sure thirty percent capacity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even crazier. I remember hearing something like, um, for a boxing match, they were planning on doing one at like the uh, a stadium in Texas, and they were gonna be like, oh, we can fit like fifteen thousand people in there. But it's like capacity like sixty thousand, so it's gonna be like yeah. so spread out. I, I don't know how to feel about those. As long as the crowd makes noise, it could be entertaining. But I've really enjoyed some of the matches, like some of the really good matches that like we'll probably talk about with like uh Desperado versus Ishii, Sho versus Shingo, and Nagata versus Yuki. Those were matches where I wasn't even concerned that there was no crowd because I was so into the match and it was such a good match. It was like the Japanese commentators were enough for me where I was like, oh, okay, this is a sick match. Like, I don't really, I'm not really noticing that there's no crowd. So let's talk about the matches. Um, on the first night, it seems like the standout match was Tomohiro Ishii defeating El Desperado. Yeah. That was a, I really enjoyed that. And I think, I think it's because Ishii is like built like a super heavyweight, but he moves like a junior heavyweight. And the, the quarantine and the 100 day break, did him like he was looking slim. He usually looks some people describe him as built like a pylon, like he's skinny at the top and he's like wide, but he was looking slim. Like he was moving very quickly. And El Desperado is pretty underrated as a junior heavyweight. And I the, my favorite spot in that match was even though it's it's probably a botch, is where El Desperado had worked on Ishii's leg for so long that when Ishii tried to get him up for a power bomb, he slipped and fell back. And it's very like obviously a botch, but if you weave that in the story of the match, I, I like it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think that El Desperado is one of those guys that doesn't get too much credit cuz he he's like one of those uh fall guys for mm-hmm. um for a faction. But like this was one of those matches that shows that he's, you know, some really good in-ring talent. And then Jack's favorite wrestler in the world, you know, Toru Yano in the first night. Well, first of all, you, you we you didn't <laughs> even give any recognition to your favorite wrestler. We just talked about him. Oh wait, no! You're oh my god, yo! First botch of the Tama show. Tonga. First botch of the show, man. Man, and it's always me too. I hate this. I hate it here. My guy's fighting tomorrow night or tonight. Wait, who's your guy? Goto, man. Oh, you like Goto? <laughs> yeah, Goto has to carry because the card night three was like the most loaded New Japan like one-off card. Like it was crazy loaded. Like you had Saber Junior versus Bushi, Show versus Shingo, Tanahashi versus Taichi. But the next night's card has it's pretty lackluster. Pretty skeleton crew. Yeah. 
Hopefully there's a good tag. They could have a good tag in there to make us interested. Mm-hmm. Second night, um, Gavin um, sort of... <laughs> His uh, his he was very confident that Gato was gonna go over Okada. This was something we heard on numerous instances, and I, with great pleasure, am here to tell you guys that did not happen. <laughs> Yo, before we go on, don't spoil night three because I've only watched till Shingo versus Show, and I that's I haven't watched anything else yet. All right, fair enough. But I I need to know how do you feel? Oh, about Gato not winning? Yeah. Okay. Well, like in the long run. There's obviously no way like Gato would Gato would <laughs> beat Okada. Like obviously, I'm smart enough to know that it's probably not going to happen. But I wanted to happen because I just thought that he might like you're in the middle of a pandemic, half the crew isn't around. He might as well just. Uh, what I wanted was my theory was Gato was going to book himself to win the tournament, and then he was going <laughs> to say that he was fighting in place of Jay White, and that they were going to give Jay White the title shot at at Dominion. That was gonna be. I don't know how I feel about that book. <laughs> that'd be like the craziest Gato booking ever, and it would make like complete sense because it's no, just like a no, it wouldn't. People would say, like, why doesn't Gato just fight? Yeah, people would say that, but I don't know. I don't think anybody would actually be mad if Jay White like just showed up out of nowhere and was like, "Yeah, I'm getting the shot." But people would be mad if you take out Okada in the first round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, they, but I was also thinking, why would they give away like an Okada Naito rematch? in the finals in front of a 30% crowd. Like, that's why I also think that when we get to day three, like, Shingo lost so that they don't give away a Shingo for Sonata match in front of zero. Like, nobody. So I was like, oh, like, there's no crowd. They might as well just have Okada take this fall. Because Gato also loves that, like, booking where a guy gets his win back and then in the next match he loses. So I was like, okay, yeah, like, Gato could get a loss over, a win over Okada and, like, just get obliterated the next time. He doesn't tend to 50-50 book his big guys, yeah. right? He, he yeah, does exactly. that for a lot of like mid carders, I think. Yeah. But like, as someone that's just getting into like New Japan, please tell me, did disqualifications just like not matter? Like, no, it's the ref's discretion. Like the ref can. That's what I also found out too. Because the ref can decide when to disqualify because in the Suzuki Nagata match that we'll talk about in a bit, he hit him with like a plastic. Like he hit him with a water bottle and something else, and the ref was like totally okay with it. But in WWE, if you like used a weapon, they'd probably disqualify you. Yeah, and I just watched that like Okada match, and Gato used like a wrench, he used a chair, yeah. he used he had brass knuckles taped to the ring post, which I loved. Listen, if if something is attached to a ring post, that's legal all the time. That's a that's a wrestling yeah. law. That oh. as if if the if the person isn't holding it directly, you're allowed to use it as a weapon. That was so innovative, man. He taped the brass knuckles to the ring post, pulled up the apron, and there it was. Like, <laughs> so a young lion, a young lion died for that. Like he probably in kayfabe, you could just see Gato threatening a young lion to tape that under the ring before <laughs> the show. Yeah, at least um, New Japan with their rules aren't like a how it happens in wwe sometimes where it's like you know they they break the rules in a championship match and the commentary goes you know oh the referee's given them a little more a little more a little leeway, more leeway yeah. a little more leeway in this fight but i remember it was controversial when uh omega and jericho had their no disqualification match because everyone had to be reminded that it wasn't a no rules match it was just no disqualification so like because in wwe like they don't have rope breaks or anything when there's a no dq match but in in the new in new japan's matches they always have like rope breaks and i think they have count outs too 
But if people were like so mad on the internet, they're like, oh, why is there rope breaks? Why are they allowed to break? Like, why do they have to break these holds? There's no rules. Yeah, New, New Japan's so like, they like to protect the idea of it being a sport. Like, they don't like yeah. gimmicky matches. Like, I remember when Omega did the ladder match, like, four that, years that was ago. Like in the very videos. first New Japan yeah. ladder match. And I, I remember thinking, like, what? That, there's no way it's the first one. Which is also hilarious. That was like the first one. And then I think that the Omega Jericho match is like one of the first extreme rules type matches too I, I would assume in new japan yeah, you know what mm-hmm. i remember it was like a big deal like back when they didn't they do the abushi omega cody triple threat yeah and they were like it was a big deal because of a triple threat and like you never see that yeah and you never see yeah exactly you never see like they were like making it a big they didn't even they just called it the three-way match like they didn't even give it a good name but they like yeah they were it was a huge deal just because like cody the three-star savior of the world put himself in in the match well we're shooting on cody man <laughs> because like I just wanted a one-on-one Omega Bushi match for the title, and then Cody was like, "No, I want me some." But he was just going to take a fall anyway, so it was fine. So, uh, there is two New Japan Cup shows this week. Um, one we have the card in front of us. Uh, the other one we don't have the card yet. But um, this first show has four matches. First, first ones uh, here: Yoshi Tenzon versus Yoshihashi. I'm pulling for my boy Yoshihashi. You know, I think it's time. Um, two belt, two belt Yoshi is coming. <laughs> um, we have Bushi versus Yo, so uh, Gavin's gonna have his eyes on that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satoshi Kojima versus Evil. Uh, not really interested in that match. Like we said, this show is kind of weak, and it is. But like, out of all the matches, the one I'm most interested in is probably Bushi versus Yo, because the uh, yeah. the fourth one's uh, Hiroki Goto versus Yujiro Takahashi. So, oh like you and you also know who's winning unless Gato gets like because there's no kayfabe like bullet club distraction for Goto to lose mm-hmm. but i don't know I, I just think and that's probably going to be the main event too which sucks but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why i i wonder like when was the last time takahashi was like main eventing solo yeah that's like the one thing that's made me mad sort of about these new japan shows that they're they always put the biggest star on the card last so even if there's a better match before, like on uh, night two, they had Okada on the main event because he's Okada, but they should have had the best match, which was Nagata versus Suzuki in the main event. But they they just like that's the one my one knock against New Japan that I wish they they were they didn't do that as much. Because then you have Gato main eventing. Yeah, because like I don't, I guess it's it's also okay because there's zero people, but on a card with fans, why like no one wants to see Gato in the main events. <laughs> Yeah, but Okada could put on like, a five star match with a broomstick. Yeah. but he he didn't get like a huge star rating for that one. So like, they had like one of the best matches between two fifty year olds ever in wrestling. There's probably a limited number of, and then they just had like Okada and Gato at the end. Wait, you don't think Goldberg and Undertaker was better than that Suzuki? No. Oh, oh, you wrong for that. <laughs> so well, uh, we're we're gonna talk about um. Joseph has something to say about cruiserweights in a minute, but first, I we didn't even talk about this in our, if you want to call it pre-production, if you want to sound official, but uh, we've talked about The Undertaker. Oh, God. It's a work, man. So, it's yeah, are work. we getting worked, guys? I'm so mad Is about that. Is he the... retiring? No, I'm not like, falling into the trap. I'm not getting we just watched. We just watched an eight-hour documentary about... Not The Undertaker, about Mark Calloway's addiction to wrestling. That is literally what they should have called it. <laughs> Mark Calloway... Like, the whole entire documentary is 
Oh my god, I had a good match. I'm ready to retire. Never mind. I'm getting a huge Saudi payday. I'm coming back. Oh, I had a horrible match in Saudi Arabia. So now I need to have another good match and go on my own terms. And it's honestly like, it's kind of scary. He's just like, I don't have anything bad to say about The Undertaker, but this is just classic WWE propaganda trying to make us think Undertaker's like a top five. Everybody after yesterday Yo. is putting Undertaker <laughs> in their top five wrestlers of all time. Like, come on. He's like, sure. He's like one of the best like wrestling characters ever. And he was like, the backbone of WWE, but that doesn't make him a top five wrestler ever. Like Undertaker may have one of the best characters in wrestling history. Yeah. He's not one of the best wrestlers in wrestling history. And also, I did a lot of like research and people who watch like old matches and stuff, when it came down to the Undertaker, it was like you never like watch a card to see an Undertaker match, you know? Like I think it was just I think the streak, like it depends on the match, but you weren't ever like Oh, like if Shawn Michaels is on the card or like these huge stars, maybe you're watching like you're exci- you're like obviously excited. But I think the streak like boosted when the streak became like a legit like no one's beating the Undertaker. It boosted his like star power a lot. I don't know. Like, do you do you think that in his WrestleMania streak matches, the attraction was whoever he's facing instead of him? Yeah, I think it was all who he was facing because it was like. It was like, oh, this person could beat the streak, but then Undertaker would have like a really good performance, and then the, the attention would shift by the end. But I, I just want, like, I liked the documentary for the first few episodes, but then it was the same theme. It was like Undertaker's sad that he didn't have a good match, so he needs to like dig deep and train, and and it was like cool to see some of the behind the scenes stuff because we would never ever think that you'd see the Undertaker revealed like this, mm-hmm. but it just was like. I'm glad they did it as a limited series because if they would have dragged this out longer, it would have just became so repetitive. But the behind the scenes stuff is awesome, like seeing him interact with those guys and him talking about his whole career. You can't just yeah, but like the Undertaker can't just go out like on a documentary, like But he had the Boneyard match, so like if you think about it, that's like the mo- the best received Undertaker match in like three or four years, I would say. Oh yeah, it's been a while since we've had Yeah. Like... So like why I guess like the old saying is you always go out with your back on the map, but if you're the Undertaker, it, you're sort of me. Like me and Jack were saying this last night. He's way beyond the point where anybody's gonna get a, a legitimate rub from retiring him, unless someone was like, he literally said, like, yeah, this is gonna be my last match, and if you beat me, you will earn the right of saying you retired the Undertaker. But it just won't do the same thing as it would have done like in, tw- in the or in the mid like 2010s. It wouldn't do the same thing, but I think it could like push a few guys like but we're never gonna get that alistair black undertaker match or the demon versus the undertaker oh my yeah so there's like four guys that i have in mind for that moment i be like alistair black finn balor is the demon king mm-hmm. um the fiend obviously yeah and then i'd put drew mcintyre in there oh yeah yeah drew would be sick but i feel like they it wouldn't be that good of a like that'd be a the least one i'd want to see because i feel like it just wouldn't they wouldn't mesh well yeah, that's true. I I think that uh the issue with the Undertaker though is that you know, it's it's too late for him to have his like swan song, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember thinking even when the streak was still going, I was like, oh, whoever breaks the streak is gonna end his career. Yeah. And I thought that would have mm-hmm. been amazing because when his streak was still going, he could still go in his matches. You know. Yeah. But like once the streak ended, that's when I started to realize like. Okay, he's just sort of lingering around and like sort his of last his WrestleMania match before like a pure wrestling match, like not the whole cinematic, was probably thirty one. I'd say against Bray. Did he fight at thirty two? I'm trying to picture who did he. 
Did he? Oh wait. No, that was the Rock that beat Eric Rowan at thirty. I don't remember right? who. He... Was he on thirty two's cut? No, I, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Mm, he might. He, I, he probably was. Google search. I don't know. I don't remember him. I remember thirty three was Roman. Was Roman, yeah. That I, that was a good match until the end. Like I like this. Looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, it's cool that he did that hat in the ring and just left it there. But but we that's when we thought he retired. Yeah, and then and, and even then in he... the documentary, he said that's what that's what my conspiracy is about the documentary is that it was originally going to be his actual retirement at 33, and then it he decided that he didn't like the match, and they're like, okay, like because they the whole entire like the first two episodes are like you literally like you think Undertaker's retiring and everyone's saying congrats on a great career, and then it's like psych. I need that redemption. Thirty-two was Shane McMahon and Hell. Oh yeah, that was was oh that was when Shane jumped off the cell and yeah, when he the, jumped off the cell. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a weird that. build though. That match, remember they just kind of threw Undertaker in there. It was just well, they never talked about what was in the lockbox. I want to know. Like they brought <laughs> Shane back, and he's like, Vince is like, don't make me talk about that lockbox. And they never, like Undertaker was fighting <laughs> on behalf of Vince in that match. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was. Like we never got to know what was in the box. And then un- he they made Undertaker beat him, and then the next night yeah. it was just like, oh, Undertaker won, but like we're still gonna hire you. Man, you know what I think they should do? Like AJ Styles should just say that Undertaker was so like broken and beat up after the Boneyard match that even though he won, it like destroyed his soul, and he'll never be back in the ring. And now and like AJ Styles came back from death. <laughs> <laughs> I like what's frustrating about this is that like because we've been duped so many times. Yeah. This time we act like we think we're like, oh, you can't get us this time. But then, like, if he's actually retiring, that just makes it pathetic because no one believes him. I feel like nobody in wrestling really like even retires these days, except for Sean. Sean had like the best retire, like the most lengthy retirement. But then he ruined it. <laughs> and then he came back and just yeah. Actually, he didn't he come back. Edge. It never happened. Well, Edge like, didn't retire on his own terms, but like even Christian didn't retire that way too. But a lot of these guys, they just like. Say that they'll never fight again, and then they end up coming back. Ric so. Flair went to TNA to fight Hulk Hogan. Hey, but he had that sick. Ric Flair had that sick woo off with uh, Jay Lethal. Yeah, that that was what, what made off. his whole TNA run worth it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Jay Lethal but... elbow dropping his uh, blazer. <laughs> the, one of the things I liked about the Undertaker documentary is that they addressed head on when Undertaker got signed to appear at Starcast for Double or Nothing, and how like Undertaker Loki got taken advantage of so hard because. He hired like people to pl- to like publicize for him, so he had no idea that there was an AW show the same like the same weekend, and he was gonna do this autograph appearance. And everyone was like, "Holy! Like, not only is Undertaker doing an autograph appearance, but it's on the same weekend as an AW show." And it caused a bit of a riff between Vince McMahon and Undertaker. Is literally saying he's like, "Why would I ever go anywhere? Like, I'm not gonna go to another company." But it's just the way like the world works these days. That if you're a wrestler and you're involved with another company. It, even in the smallest possible way, you're like automatically. He canceled that contract signing. Didn't yeah, he 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 canceled it too. I think Kurt Angle also pulled out of that out of Starcast also because of the yeah. same reason. I thought that was messed up because apparently a lot of people like went there just because they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker autograph because that's like for a collector that's like really rare. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of people did pay. There's that that's first starcast is really like i remember becoming a meme that like oh who's gonna be the next person to get pulled from the show and replaced but that was cool and like michelle mccool is like the most ride or die wife on the planet she just <laughs> says she's like yeah i know he's gonna be hurting and blah 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 but if he wants to do it if it's gonna keep him sane 
Let him do it. I, he's just never going to retire, guys. We should have to face it. Yeah, he's going to be wrestling until we're in our 70s. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's the dead man, so he can wrestle as he long as he wants. He's a retirement match against Terry Funk. Oh, man. Double <laughs> retirement? Yeah. Count Double count out. <laughs> I, but I do want to mention one, one thing you said early, and that's that a lot of people are giving him that sort of recency bias, saying that he's top five wrestlers yeah. of all time. Um, would Joseph, would you put him in your top five? No. No? No. Would you? No. But, like, I just, I, I don't really know where he lands. Like, I don't know. He's definitely in my top ten, because he was, like, a big part of my childhood, I guess, just, like, in that yeah. aspect. I don't have to put him in my top ten. But I don't know. I don't think he makes, I don't think he cracks the top five. <laughs> it's a very illustrious uh, group to be yeah. in. Bro, I saw someone put Undertaker as the second best wrestler ever, according to themselves. Like, who was over? It was uh, I think they did Ric Flair first. Was it the one I retweeted for at our Twitter account at no, over? It was, over? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to call anybody out, but I'll Slick just read plug. the top. Five. Okay, yeah, here. Not call them out. Cut over. a promo on him. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but okay, so their top five was. Oh my god, this is a, this is gonna make me have an aneurysm. They're gonna find so us. The, their top five is Stone Cold, Undertaker, The Rock, Ric Flair, and Shawn Michaels, which is like, it's a pretty respectable five group of wrestlers, just in the complete wrong order. And I think even like Hogan has to be in the top five. But mm. and then the first comment is Hogan, comma Goldberg. You think Goldberg <laughs> is a top five wrestler of all time, bro? Are you are you are you serious, Goldberg? Goldberg sucks. Like I don't. I wish I would have been able to grow up. When Goldberg was actually good, because every time I've ever watched a Goldberg match, I'm like watching it. And I'm like, okay, he's doing like three moves. You can tell this guy is barely trained, and people go crazy for him. He's like, uh, <laughs> he's like when Ryback made his debut and he's crushed cans every week. Yeah, and I was like, I'm like, people get so offended when you say if they're born like in the Attitude Era, and they're they get so offended if you say Goldberg sucks or he's overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Goldberg top five. That's horrible, man. Yeah, I don't know. You can't can't put Goldberg, but it's interesting to see people's top fives, like especially with like you were saying recency bias, because I, I agree, like Undertaker's in my top ten, but I don't know where I would put him. Like he's never had a I guess his like match with I can't I, you know how like every wrestler has like a match that has defined them and it's like a super like really like high rated, like really good match. Mm-hmm. Like I guess like you could say the bur- the buried alive match, but I don't know. He For just me- like I, I think I what why I don't have him so high is because a large part of his career that I watched, you know, through my childhood and on was, you know, him making annual appearances or yeah, exactly. like biannual. Really, when I started watching wrestling in like 08, that was just at the very end of his like regular working schedule of like being a part of the program. Um, mm-hmm. And he was one of those guys I never got to see live. So that hurts. Um, but, um, yeah, I, you know, he was like a once a year act for most of my life. So I think that's part of why I have him. So not in my top five. Yeah, I agree with that. Joseph, you, uh, you have some, uh, cruiserweight, uh, you want to bless us with some cruiserweight information this week? Oh, Please. The floor is yours. God. The cruiserweights are heating up and I'm telling you, we're all going to be invested in them very soon. Because what I've had to say is that 
The Cruiserweight's the biggest problem with them their whole time being in WWE since their reboot in 2016. They have great wrestlers, but they have no storylines and no characters. And that's been the biggest problem. Anytime a guy gets a push, their biggest problem is that they lack character. We've seen with Cedric Alexander, who was just a guy who can wrestle. Buddy Murphy were getting there, but still, he was just when he was on 205 Live, he was just a guy who could really wrestle. The only two characters I can remember is Neville as the king of the cruiserweights, and then um, Enzo Amore, another Tony bad Neeson person. No character either when he Pardon? Was Tony Nese didn't have like a character either when he was at the top either. It was just like the guy with the eight pack. Yeah. But yeah, Enzo Amore was like the last pure character we had because his promo skills, but then again, we, we know what happened with that. We're not going to get into that. For better or for worse, TJP had a character. No, 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 what are you talking he, he about? Imagine God. WWE tour when they <laughs> remember were... his like backstage promos and stuff. So cringy. He had a man. sick theme though. His video game theme was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah with... with the whole layout on the screens and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. imagine WWE like they're like, okay, Zack Saber Jr., Kota Ibushi, you guys are gonna be in the finals if you sign the contract, and they're like, peace. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I still can't believe they actually got them for that tournament. Yeah, yeah, that's stacked. I, I feel like that wouldn't happen today. It just there's no there's nobody big enough. Well, one there's nobody big enough. But even if he, Ibushi was a freelancer still, I don't think they would they'd be able to get him for that. Yeah, I don't remember know. that Ibushi Cedric Alexander match. That's yo that, that got Cedric signed. Yeah, that was such a good match. That was sick. It's it's crazy that like they even did those one off tournaments because like it just yeah. doesn't feel like something they they would do well i mean maybe they would do it again but it just it was so weird because it's so like unusual them they love to just stick to their like weekly monthly stuff yeah but yeah to continue yeah once again another problem with 205 live was that their only thing was tournaments Mm -hmm. people only watched when there was like the tournament going on the original cruiserweight classic then the big tournament after enzo amori got released which created some other like great matches that's when like buddy murphy became a star in my opinion Mm mm-hmm as he killed at that whole tournament. But then once again, no character. But now, they're under NXT. Triple H is running the show. And we're finally seeing some character. Like, Drake Maverick was the saving grace. That's all I'm going to say. He got released. Came back with this whole, like, redemption storyline. A lot of people didn't like it. We got worked. I'm not sure. But it worked. Like, it drew me in. Like, that's a character I want to see. And then they also had the thing going on. I don't know if you guys saw it. They had, like masked men but they're in luchador abducting people after their matches in the cruiserweight division and they abducted like joe queen wild who used to be in impact as djz i believe oh yeah Mm -hmm. and then they also abducted raul mendoza but then as we now know the current cruiserweight champion is el hijo del fantasma but he was in the ring with drake maverick a week after they put on a great finals after the match, and they were surrounded by these two masked men that had been abducting people. Turns out we were all swerved. Wild and Mendoza were abducted, but they were the men handling all of this. And we've seen Phantasma take his mask off, announce himself as Santos Escobar. Is that right? Yeah, Santos Escobar. We have a faction now in the Cruiserweight division. These three men just... You sound so hyped about it. Hurt people. Jack, God damn it! I've been rooting for these cruiserweights. For <laughs> Man, what I was gonna say is about the Phantasma storyline is that it was low-key kind of WWE working us because 
in Mexico right before he came over, he lost and uh mask like he lost his mask like because he lost the match. And in Mexico, when you take your mask off when you're a luchador, the only way you can put it back on is if you ask for permission. Like it's a pretty serious deal. Like once the mask comes off, you don't get to put it back on. So everyone like when he first got announced is like El Hijo or El Hijo, however you say it. People were like, wait a second. No way this guy is keeping the mask. Like, after they just did this huge storyline in Mexico. So it was like, when he finally took it off, a lot of people were like, I knew it. Like, this, I knew this was coming. But yeah, just like, it's good storylines. Like, we've seen the brawl last week where he ended up putting, like, Drake Maverick through a table, which was like a devastating spot, by the way, if you guys saw it. <laughs> devastating. You're really doing PR writing for them right now. Yo, this, I'm hyping the cruiserweights. I'm telling you. It's something to watch. Will they get retribution next week? But honestly, I'm honestly getting hyped for nothing. And in two months, they're going to be back to being like the dead end of WWE. Oh, don't but you say know what? that. For now, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be. Oh, dude, Jake Atlas is coming for that title. That's going to be fun. I'm waiting to see some um, highlighted cruiserweight action. I think, though, the problem is that, or a problem they might run into is that even like NXT suffers from this a lot, is that in the two hour time slot, they always struggle. Like, I don't know what it is about NXT, but they start some things. And then they sort of finish it, but they just sort of like tend to drag things out for too long. And I'm worried that they'll drag all their other other feuds out and they won't give the cruiserweights the spot, like the spotlight they deserve. And like mm-hmm. no one's really watching. Like, I don't really watch 205 Live. And a lot of people don't really like stick around for it after the shows. But you know, Joseph's right. They need these guys need characters. Like they need something that we can get invested in. Yeah, they just it was so long of just guys just going out there and wrestling. But I think we're like starting to see some strides in the right direction. So I'm yeah. excited. I remember they I used to uh, do reviews of 205 Live when they first started, and it was just like you would see little angles here and there, but for the most part, it was just like the show would just start with a match, and then it would just like have another match, and then that was the show. And like the format they did just made it seem like so boring, you know? E- I mean, even, though, have- even though it was so short. Yeah, remember they should do like three matches of the same two guys and they'd fight each other and all of a sudden it'd be like, oh, they're in a feud, it's a street fight now. <laughs> yeah. And we saw that like ten times with like two like a bunch of different guys, but Yo, can I just mention a wrestling pet peeve? Yeah. What I hate is like when two people are fighting and then uh a tag team does a run in and then our tag team does a run in and then they go to commercials and they come back and they're like, Oh, it's a six man now. Holla holla holla. <laughs> just 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 booked during the break, it's a six man. Cause I hate that because it's like uh, two wrestlers wrestlers will work like 15 minutes and then they'll get booked for another match and it's like bro I, I don't want to see them more like I'm over it and my wrestling pet peeve is that a no holds barred match a no disqualification match an extreme rules match they're all the exact same thing <laughs> yeah I hate <laughs> the verbiage piss me off in wrestling I just be like why are they just call it one thing like what is this man staying on cruise race for a second one of the biggest flops wwe had in, in recent history was when they brought in uh i'm gonna just i'm not saying mike canellis i'm not referring him to that name mike bennett and maria <laughs> canellis because in roh towards the end of their run and in impact they were like one of the hottest things like that act was like one of the hottest things in wrestling and then they they had a cool like, their theme song was freaking dope but they killed the character right off the bat because they named him mike canellis and everyone was like saying all these I don't even like want to say it on the show, but then he became just like, like Mike, Mike and I's character was simping really hard and people didn't like that. He was like, simping <laughs> like that. Like he actually was like, he, Mike and Alice's character is the most, that's the most appropriate word I can use for it on this program. 
I other than where the start to this D is he was simping really hard and they didn't have any like anything with his character. Like people wanted to see at the beginning, wanted to see him wrestle and like figure out who this hot guy coming in is. But then they just made it all about Maria and like he could have had a good run on two oh five live if it wasn't like this Maria's mad at Mike and Mike needs to make Maria not mad at him gimmick. Yeah, that's what, like, the biggest problem was there. It was just like guys would come in so hard and they just get destroyed and they're just being like, oh, go out there and smile or go out there and be mad. Yeah, it that's hurts. Were. It hurts when you see someone tearing it up on the indies and they've shown, you know, sometimes for years that they can do something and then they get brought into WWE and they just get completely fumbled and you can't blame it on them because it's like we know they can do this, but then they get handled in a certain way that stops them from actually doing that. Exactly. So they better not ruin Jake Atlas. There's some good names down there, though, in NXT for the Cruiserweight division. They have, like, Swerve Scott. He's not bad. Oh, he's he was sick, like, on the indies. Yeah. That's what I. That's what it feels like. It always feels like the Cruiserweight division is, like, a TV show, and there's, like, season one, season two. We're probably in about the fifth <laughs> season of the fifth or sixth, because there, there was the 205, like, OGs, and then there was... The Neville era, then Enzo Amore, and then Buddy Murphy was the big acquisition. But yeah. I, I hope now they sort of like get away from trying to always bring in a big star to elevate the division and just work with what they've got and make stars out of those people. Speaking yeah. of uh, NXT, did you guys see Sasha Banks and uh, Chris Jericho get into a bit of a spat on Twitter? Yeah. yeah Ar- no, arguing about ratings? Actually... What? So, yeah. Uh, that was... And Sammy got involved too. <laughs> Bad time. Got, yeah. He well, he deleted everything since, but that was actually hilarious. When because I guess Chris and Sasha are friends, so he was saying how you didn't do good enough in the key demos and blah blah blah. Yeah, they, I think they were just messing around. Um, but since you brought up Sasha on NXT at the our last episode, Gavin was very excited about this women's tag team match on NXT. Oh, oh my god! Why can't they just have a? I didn't watch the match, and I honestly thought that this was going to be the week where NXT beat AEW in the ratings. And it was. <laughs> I swear opposite. you said that before. Yeah, I did. I, I I think I said it in the podcast. I was and last week I was like, I was like, if Bailey and Sasha have a good match against Tegan and Shotzi, that could like win them the week. And in that, more viewers like I was reading the demos. I'm pretty sure more viewers went to NXT. But wasn't there wasn't there a run in or something? Did, wasn't it like not a clean finish? I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't actually watch like any of the show, but I thought Io Shirai came out at one yeah, point. Yeah, she she came out after the match was over. Oh, okay, okay, that makes more sense. And I think kind of Bailey was like having yeah. another, and they kind of teased moment. like an Io Sasha feud that I'll probably never see. But I feel like we don't even have to mention that they teased the Sasha Bailey split. Oh, yeah. It's just sort of implied. Like yeah, the, the viewers after today, after today, Bailey's the, for sure the heel. Mm-hmm. The Should she turns. And turn Sasha heel after today. Yeah, shouldn't have ever turned Bailey heel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I still have that promo backstage from the pay per view ingrained in my head. Oh my god, that's what I've been watching on her first night as a heel and just grabbing like an axe and just breaking all her buddies like her inflatable buddies that like, haunts me every night. Man. <laughs> what a heel! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, before we go, we have one more thing to discuss, and that is. Uh, New Japan is going to be launching a new sort of weekly American show, right? Yes, sir. New Japan of America, Lions Break Project. So, 
Gavin, you were pretty excited about this. I was fired. Well, okay. I think I got ahead of myself. Like, I put it. Uh, what the show is, is it's going to be pretty much just to put the young lines on your, like, on your screen against guys you might already know. But the first show has a debut of MMA crossover turned wrestling star that it actually worked of Filthy Tom Lawler, which everyone is really excited about because. He's actually pretty good for an MMA crossover. And he hasn't really, like MLW, he's is where he's predominantly been for the past few years, but he hasn't had a chance to sort of showcase himself on a big stage. And so he'll have a match on that card. Jeff Cobb is going to be involved. The future foreign ace of New Japan, Carl Fredericks, is on the card. He's awesome. But what I was saying to Jack was since like a lot of the stars that live in the States aren't going to be in Japan anytime soon. They should take a chance here and they should get guys like Kenta, Juice Robinson, like just get the title, the US title off of Mox because he can't work any of the New Japan shows in America anyways. Run a tournament or something, crown a new champion and have that belt be defended on the, the weekly Friday show. But I put it in a forum and people were like roasting me. Like some people love the idea and other people are roasting me saying I'm getting way too ahead of myself. But if, Gallows, if Anderson and Gallows are going to New Japan anytime soon, we will see them pop up on that show. Don't you think it's a little too much to... Like, maybe they want to keep the belt on... Yeah, I think they do, because... According to the New Japan rules, it would have been... Like, he should have been stripped already anyways. But since it's like a pandemic and whatever, I guess they're keeping the belt on Mox. And this show's just going to be... Get guys who need exposure matches and put them up against, like, kind of big-name guys. But it'll be interesting, because they've got... They only have the card announced for the first show, I think. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the rest of them. And that was uh, taped already, right? Yeah, the first one was taped. It was a, it was a quote-unquote secret taping that the whole entire wrestling world knew about. But I think that they've got to get Kenta on one of the shows because he could draw like a lot of people. And he's, he lives in Florida, so he might as well throw him on one of those shows if he can get there. Mm-hmm. It's but like a, a lot of the... It's like Jerry Krause put it in last in the last dance that it's the the taping was the worst kept secret in town. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, they just continue. need. I I don't know. Like, people who watch New Japan are gonna watch it, but what I see it as is an opportunity because there's gonna be English commentary. It's gonna be at a time where you can actually watch it live. It's an opportunity for them to get some of these New Japan stars that are from America like over with a casual audience, but. New Japan sort of like iffy about that with the Western audience. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, like nothing is set in stone necessarily, but mm-hmm. what they can do with the show, since they've only shot like one episode or however much, um, and you know, I doubt they're super committed to having a certain structure and not putting certain guys on the show. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited to see that lineup. Um, on that show i hope that they're you know since they're in america taking all the precautions they can for uh, COVID 19 and stuff um you know i think it's japan is much more ahead of america i suppose in uh, COVID 19 and that they you know still have to keep all these strict things but they aren't at as high i mean i'm not a doctor so i don't even know what i'm saying for sure but like i don't think they're i don't think they're as at much of a risk there as opposed to in america um, hence yeah. why they're doing shows again. But, um, you know, I don't really know. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's all we have to talk about this week, unless you guys have anything else in mind. No, I'm good. That about covers everything? Yeah, that um, covers it. We got Monday, Monday Night Raw in six minutes. Is anyone going to be watching that? Nope. No? <laughs> I'll check out the first hour. No hesitation. I haven't watched the first hour. full Raw in so long. Like, there's, It's just tonight's not going to be the night. Dude, I used to down those three-hour Raws every single week. Yeah, I used to always watch it, and like I would be like, oh, what homework do I have? I'm going to watch it, but I just don't have any motivation. Like, I'm watching Tai Chi versus Tanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi tonight. <laughs> Wait, you mean you don't want to see Charlotte Flair versus Asuka? For the like, Raw not, Championship? That could be good. We yeah, all know Nia Jax is interfering. It'll be an eight-minute match that gets <laughs> interfered. So. Nia Jax is going to come out, and we're going to get a triple threat at Extreme Rules. You heard it here first, Yo, if you if you told me that was a pay-per-view match, I'd be like, oh, that's sick. But since it's Monday Night Raw, TV, Charlotte versus Asuka, I'm going to pass on that one. I feel like we could book the whole next pay-per-view right now because that's how obvious they're booking <laughs> been recently. I feel like we knew how the pay-per-view was going to be booked the second after the last one ended. Hold on, I need one more thing to say. Yeah, go I, Anyone watching Raw recently, MVP is going to create oh, yeah. one of the best stables in WWE very soon. Just wait on it. Apollo Crews is turning heel. Apparently, Shelton Benjamin's even going to be in it. So, oh, you know what? We need some more Shelton Benjamin on our screen. I love Shelton Benjamin. They're saying it's going to be like, yeah, Apollo Crews, Shelton Benjamin, and Bobby Lashley with MVP as the manager. Are you reading that? What about Cedric? I haven't heard anything about Cedric. That was like, he teased it on Raw last week, and then on some of the Instagram dirt sheets, you know? We're not getting Catch Point 2.0 anymore with the way the current landscape is working, so we might as well get an MVP-led faction. Yeah, and put Shelton Benjamin on my screen. I'm happy. I need MVP on the mic every single week. (laughs) What he called? Oh, that was so (laughs) yeah. We're not even going to talk about that. (laughs) We got to go. We got to (laughs) go. Live, pal. All right, let's get through some plugs real quick. Um, let's start with you, Joseph. Uh, yeah, just continuing my uh, 2016 G1 Climax. Did a big uh, Cruiserweight article for uh, the Intermission Sports. You can see that on my Twitter. That's why. I have a lot of information on the Cruiserweights recently. But yeah, that's about it. What's your Twitter? Oh, sorry. Forgot for the new viewers. Uh, Jay Cachado. J-C-A-S-C-I-A-R-O-O-O. I can already hear your your follow count just skyrocketing. <laughs> Gavin, what about you? Uh, aside from the great city of Winnipeg, I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna make an announcement. That's the first type like big announcement we've had on the show. Probably, I'll be making my debut for the intermission soon. I'm doing a oh. best matches of round one. I'm gonna try and continue it for every round. Like it's gonna get hard, but I was doing best matches of round one for New Japan Cup. And my Twitter is at Gavin77x. And yeah, that's about it for me. Yo, look at us. We got the scoop. We, we just <laughs> broke some news. <laughs> Yo, ever, ever, anyone who talks about that has to go first reported by over being over yeah. on their podcast. We <laughs> look at the, the dirt sheets and it's like, if you use this, please put it in bracket quotes that you got it from this website. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to follow my work, I, I don't really do too much wrestling stuff i have wrestling stuff on the way but um you know i, I cover other sports mma baseball um follow me on twitter at jack Wannan, j-a-c-k-w-a-n-n-a-n make sure to follow the podcast on twitter at over being over we got that clean um twitter name no numbers in it no underscores over being over on twitter 
We talk about all the greatest, newest things in wrestling. And of course, you'll never miss an episode if you turn on that post notification button. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think that's all we got time for. So um, we hope you guys enjoyed, and we uh, hope to see you next week. Until then, peace out.